Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. This week is a podcast, special edition podcast. So if you found us, you know about it. This week's podcast is brought to you by Kamikaze Motorcycles, the only motorcycles on the market with no brakes. Joining me this week is Bill and Gretchen, as in past weeks. Hi. Hi. I'm still thinking about the <laughs> Sorry, but I saw that somewhere. That was not my material, but I read it and I just had to say it. <laughs> so um, our on-air show is being preempted again. There might be a few minutes of last week's uh, repeat, but uh, we're just doing our podcast this week. So I'm glad you're here with us. And we're going to just be talking about a number of different things. We have our new segments and then a few updates after that. And then we'll see where we're at. I like this format when we can do it once in a while because it's a little more laid back and just, you know, it kind of goes where it goes. We don't have the talk clock, which is which is kind of fun. All right, let's go ahead and start with the news and get through that and see where we end up. NASA issues update on asteroid rock recovery. So NASA, for anybody that hasn't heard about this yet, NASA had sent a mission to visit uh, Bennu, I believe is how you say that. Uh, It's an asteroid which might collide with Earth in the year 2182. I'm not going to worry about that today. But what they were able to do is bring back a lot of material on this rocket. And this is really kind of cool because the actual spacecraft that went out brought back this capsule, dropped it off essentially, and went on to its next mission. So I thought the engineering behind that was kind of cool just in of itself that they could do it. But they're getting through. We talked to... I mean, you know, when you think about the math behind that, it's just, yeah. it's just amazing. Impressive. I know we talked about this when the, when the thing was recovered and they were just at that point getting in and starting to see what they had inside. It was in a clean room. They had to move it, all that kind of stuff. And now they've started opening it, but it's going a little slower because there's a lot more material than they expected, which is actually really cool. So does that imply that maybe it's like a soft you know, like the asteroid is soft, that they were able to dig into it or what? What do you think? I mean, that's possible. I'm not an astrophysicist, so I can't really answer that question. <laughs> you know, geologist, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. In, in any event, um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's going to be more information coming out about that. But I think if it was absolutely hard, they would not have been able to get as much material. I think that does make sense. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking from my own perspective. I really don't know. They did get chunks of rock, I know, directly directly from it as well, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what it is. They're going to do a special broadcast on October 11th where they're going to re- reveal what it was actually in this thing to the world. So Neat. we look forward to that. Yeah. And when that comes up, that'll, that'll be actually this coming Wednesday. So we'll probably cover it next week. Cool. Electric hydrogen is the green hydrogen industry's first unicorn. So hydrogen fuel cells, which is something that I've always thought is a good thing to go with here, probably a little more than the batteries we're doing in electric vehicles right now. The one problem with this has been is that only about 10% of the hydrogen produced in this country is clean hydrogen. The rest of it is done using fossil fuels, and it takes a lot of energy when you do it that way. To And what you're basically doing is you're splitting water into hydrogen and oxygen. That's how you get the hydrogen. Um, and it re- requires a ton of energy and only makes a small amount of hydrogen. So this has been one of the holdbacks on this, but the system does work. And basically what you have in most cases is if you have something that's powered by hydrogen, Toyota has a hydrogen fuel cell car, and there's a few other concept vehicles out there. Toyota's is actually one you can buy. But the thing of it is with all of this is that 
you're dealing with a situation where it really isn't green if it's not produced in that way. And you still have an electric car, though, because what the hydrogen fuel cell is doing is powering a generator that's powering the motor. So, you know, when you look at it from that kind of a thing in a very, very uh, kind of a basic explanation, you would be replacing the batteries with the hydrogen fuel cell generator. So what's happening here is they've been looking for a way to do this better. And a company called Electric Hydrogen has come out. A unicorn is a stock that's, when it launches, is something that's considered good to invest in. And a stock person could certainly explain that a lot better than me. But the thing of it is, is this is something that's going in a direction where they've come up with a technology to be able to reduce the amount of energy required to create the hydrogen into a way that the energy being used could be produced by a clean energy like windmills or something of that nature, solar, whatever. And once that happens, then you end up in a very different situation because now this type of energy becomes something that can be used without having the same consequences as fossil fuels. And at the end of the day, one of the things that's also really cool about this is on something like an electric car, it takes about a half hour to charge up if you can find a working charger. And a fuel cell, you can change very quickly. It's almost like just filling up petrol. Yep. Neat. Oh, sorry. Uh, Go ahead, Bill. (laughs) I said, so long as it doesn't end up being like those uh, carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide condensers, which actually cost more and take use more energy than they actually stop. Well, and you know, that's been part of the problem is is that exact type of thing that we're going to talk a little bit later here about fusion. And that's the reason why fusion hasn't happened, because the energy required to create it up until very recently exceeds what you get. And that doesn't make sense, you know? All right, U.S. issues first ever fine for space junk to Dish Network. Yeah, so, you know, the the thing about this, okay, so basically they fined Dish Network $150,000 for failing to move an old satellite as far as they were supposed to in orbit, and the FCC had a problem with that and fined it. Now, on the grand scheme of things, Dish Network's overall revenue last year was $16.7 billion. So $150,000 fine is certainly not going to bankrupt them. But the one thing that this does show is that they're starting to enforce these rules. And I think more so than the actual fine, um, this is the case. Space debris, space junk is becoming, uh, has become really a big problem. It's even getting more with the more satellites that are constantly being launched into orbit. And something as small as a chip of paint going at orbitable speeds, hitting, say, an astronaut on a spacewalk can be fatal. The other thing of it is, is there's this, you know, thing that we've seen in science fiction that is actually something that could happen where you have something that finally breaks down and starts taking out all the other stuff in orbit. Uh, Fortunately, that hasn't happened yet, but the more that's out there, the more of the chance of that actually happening comes in. So they've got regulations that when a satellite or other item like that hits its end of life, it has to be moved to a location where it will not cause harm. And in the case of Dish Network, They were supposed to move the satellite 168 miles further from the Earth than they did. Uh, They only moved it 76 miles after it lost its fuel. So that's the issue here. That's what's going on. Um, They're coming up with some sort of a plan to fix this because obviously you can't just go there. So I don't know how they're going to deal with that. But uh, it's the first time that we've seen this actually done where they've imposed a fine. You know, and it really upsets our, our alien tourists, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes, our, our alien tourists. Um, so these, uh, yeah, we we do, uh, you know, that industry is something that I think will grow 
I don't hear they, though that they like going to the beach much. Anyway, what's next? No, in they the love news? the desert. They're desert dwellers. They love. Yeah, they're more de- yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they love Tonopah, Nevada. Come on, uh, <laughs> somebody needs to, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> uh, pivotal discovery signals a huge leap forward in fusion energy reactor progress. Yeah, so this is really cool. Researchers have utilized alphine waves to mitigate runway electrons and tokamak devices. Isn't that cool? Yes. Uh-huh. Cool. Good. I'm glad it is. <laughs> All right. So this actually came out of France. And what it is, is they're developing fusion. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, alphine waves are something that's naturally generated in the atmosphere. You can get more detail online if you wanted, but it has to do with the daytime and the nighttime interaction of an area of atmosphere on electrons. And in any event, in the case of this, when you create fusion, um, you have to create uh, what are called runaway electrons. And But when this happens, it starts building up. And it's something that can cause damage to the equipment. And this discovery using these kind of waves allows them to control that. And then they don't have the problem that they were having with it. Okay, there's that is a very generic explanation of this, but D- it is basically the, what's going on. Doesn't the name Alf, Alfheim or whatever? It doesn't that sound like some kind of like fantasy thing, Alfheim? You know, yeah. Alfheim, actually, I think that's you know? a realm of North mythology or something. But yeah, e, it's yeah. that A L F V E with a thingy above it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, shopping on Amazon is about to change. Okay, what's happening? Well, first of all, I need my dun 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 sound effect here. You know, oh, I mean, boom, uh, boom, kind boom. of a yeah. There you go. I uh, I, I, I can't have... do the Law and Order noise. Sorry. No, well, you know, we can't do that at all because that would be copyright violation. Oh, but, uh, okay. <laughs> Am I allowed to even mention that? <laughs> you, you can mention it. You just can't oh, play okay. it. Um, in, okay. in any event. Uh, <laughs> Um, so at any event, uh, what they're talking about here is Amazon is deploying AI into their shopping process. And so basically where this is going is it's going to uh, add search features with ChatGPT that will act as what they're calling a concierge for customers. Okay. And so, um, you know, it's going to offer expert answers, product suggestions. And I think I trust it more with doing the feedback and ratings than some of what I've seen out there. So, you know, from Mm. that standpoint, it's an interesting play. And it also will be, I think, where the general person is going to see generative AI the most. And the reason I say that, and this is an interesting statistic, is in the United States, online shoppers, the majority, 61% of them, start their product search on Amazon. That doesn't necessarily mean they buy from Amazon, but they start there to look for whatever it is they're looking for and then kind of go from there. So if you think 61% of the online market visits Amazon in the United States for every purchase, this will that's be a, something a that lot. a lot of, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something a lot of people are going to see that haven't experienced this kind of AI in the past. And, um, you know, if it's done properly, it actually could be really cool. And if it's not, it could become very invasive. So it's going to be interesting to see how they actually deploy this. But um, it's, you know, interesting thing. It's uh, some of the other things that are already coming up in there is on the test is that ChatGPT might refuse to answer sensitive questions about things like healthcare products or, you know, give medical advice or something, because obviously an AI can't do that. 
and mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, kind of goes from there. So, um, you know, that's the question that is going from there. The other thing of it is, is the question that's come out, is this going to take Alexa off of Amazon? Is it, you know, are they replacing her? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. Good. It's actually going to be something where the two will work together. Awesome. Then she doesn't have to be alone. Yes. <laughs> which will be nice. You know, I, do you think we're ever going to have AI kids? Never mind. That's for another day. Uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had an interesting one the other day. I was looking up mm. something and I ended up on Quora. And they use chat GTP now as part of that. So you have, you know, your human answers and then you have generated answer. And it's like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about this yet. I don't know. Sometimes I look at it and I find uh, the interesting thing is, is both are fallible. And this is something that I think is is kind of just a point that uh, the AI isn't always correct. The human certainly isn't always correct. So this isn't a complete replacement, but... No matter what happens, you as a human still need to think. Yep. Can we we say that again and maybe make a PSA, a public service announcement about that? Because I think a lot of people seem to have forgotten that. You are still required to think. (laughs) I'm so sorry. The more you know. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons updates Bigsby to replace AI-generated images. Artists removed from credits. All right, so speaking of AI, (laughs) (laughs) this is specifically looking at a supplemental uh, lore book called Bigby Presents Glory of the Giants. And when some of the illustrations came out, they looked a little well off. They are absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. And when you're talking about D&D monsters, that's really saying something, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. but there were, you know, the limbs were wrong. The renderings were, were fuzzy and kind of didn't, you know, didn't look right. And Bill, I think you even talked about this when you saw a pre-release, there was an extra arm or something on something. Oh, um, yeah, there's, there's a giant, uh, multi-legged, uh, brontosaurus kind of looking thing that just, when you look at it, all of a sudden, everything, you know, you think, you know, about anatomy is like, what, what, what's going on here? I, I don't, <laughs> yep. you look at some of the images for some of the giants or things like that. And it's like, okay, I'm into impressionism and expressionism, but this is just wrong. Right. And right, right. I've had just, it, it is that matter that, you know, they, they said, oh, well, this artist is someone who's been working with this for a while and this and that. And then you find out. Well, their entire portfolio was AI generated. And I mean, me as a traditional artist, I just cannot fathom why anybody would try to do this kind of stuff and pass it off. It, it's just so. Lame. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds it, like they were using Escher as a, as a, a, a physiology uh, model. From what you're describing, I haven't seen any of these pictures. I think <laughs> if they had used yeah. Escher, it would have actually been more. It would have yeah. still accurate? felt like art. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> this, this okay. didn't. It's like you have an extra uh, head where you should have a leg. I, I, it's just kind of crazy, and it's. Uh, yeah, my you know, favorite so, is the hands with like twenty fingers. Yeah, yeah. And was the and, creature uh, supposed so, to have twenty fingers? No, no, oh. and it, and it's real it, obvious that it's AI not. AI cannot it's, handle hands worth a dang. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things. Now, one one note to point out is this: uh, we have not been told that this artist has been sacked at uh, 
Wizards of the Coast, just they were taken off of this project or their credits were. And there was an interview done with the artist um, asking straight out if the illustrations were AI generated. And the answer given, AI was used in the process to generate certain details or polish and editing. To sign some light on the process, I'm attaching earlier versions of the illustrations before AI had been applied to enhance the details. As you can see, there's a lot of painted elements were enhanced with AI rather than generated from the ground up. Now, obviously, this is radio, so you can't see the pictures. But what he's saying here is that he actually did the initial artwork, which it looks like that's probably accurate, and then used some AI system that really bungered it up and then decided to publish those pictures. So I don't understand that process at all. I mean, I looked at his original sketches, and they were just as bad. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I, I, I have to That's agree like with you, really Bill. That's really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when a, oh, uh, you know, as an artist who um, struggled and came to the conclusion that nobody's ever going to appreciate my work, and I'll just paint for myself, and then to have someone do stuff like that—that's kind of demoralizing. You know what I mean? Oh, it is very demoralizing. And I, uh, there was an artist that I follow who was mentioning this on their uh, YouTube channel. You know, you'll go on a Twitter or something or um, Pixiv and you'll find an artist there that, let's say, is doing fan art of something like a video game you like. And you're like, oh, wow, this is really good. And this is this and that. And then all of a sudden you realize it's AI art and it's just, you know, it, 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 it kills a part of me inside when this happens. Because I've spent so much of my life, you know, mm-hmm. developing to be even close to that. And it's just, you know, to have exactly that taken. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, and yeah, it's the same think. thing with the writing as well. You know, yeah. I wrote all my papers. So when you have people given degrees and they're having a piece of software write the, 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 um, the paper for them. And I did all my work. <laughs> It's, it's well, the like question a that becomes from that is, you know, I, we've talked about this in the past. My, my attitude is somewhere in between on that. I think some of the classes you're required to take in a degree or may not be applicable to your field of study. And I really don't personally have a problem with utilizing other resources for that. But certainly stuff that's in your area of discipline, because you have the chance of coming out of a program where you have a degree and you actually don't know your field of study. That's bad. Yeah. That's really, you know, and, uh, I mean, I, having taken a weirdly wide breadth of classes while I was in college, there are some departments where even if I was in it, I would be like, okay, using AI to formulate my thoughts and like double check my work would be one thing. Mm-hmm. Cause like I took, I, one of my capstones was in law. It was weirdly, I mean, it was Star Trek law and ethics, but it was in the law department. That's an interesting. Cl- I didn't know that was a class. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was an amazing class. Um, really opened a lot of things that I wish other departments would talk about. But um, the difference there is, is we had to know everything down to an exact um, definition. Now, of course, on exams, that was not my great strength because I'm not great at that. But you know, if I was a law student. I would, you know, want something that allows me to double check and go, yes, I did, you know, quote my laws correctly and this and that. And, oh, well, maybe I missed something or, you know, but it's only as a secondary. It's different to have an editor or proofreader. Yeah, that's nice. 
I'm oh, yeah. dyslexic. I mean, you, you, and, you're talking about uh, two different nice. things. Yeah. 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 You know, but, once you know, writing... I mean, those was intense classes. So, I mean, I could see that a little bit more. But to use it for, you know, a liberal arts degree, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it, and across the board, the thing of it is, is I've also noticed, you know, playing with this and stuff is that uh, since this all started out, the responses you're getting are getting better. I have a much harder time telling on a written document now what's AI generated versus what isn't. Uh, even a year ago, there you could tell, and now you can't so much anymore. Yeah. So, you know, we're also headed down that road of being able to fake stuff. So um, which, how much news but, do you think is going to end up being AI as opposed well, to Well, it already reporters? is. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, not even, it's not even when will this happen. It's happening. And a lot of stories mm-hmm. you read online, um, and there's a number of different uh, uh, news outlets that use this now. I'm not going to try to name them because I don't know all of them off the top of my head. But you're already starting to see AI in there now some of them do make a note of it now even our tech wednesday articles um i put in the in the footer chat gpt contributed part of it and the first reason i use that is for um editing so i go through it to pick up the stupid stuff and then gretchen you're our editor that actually goes through and makes it readable yeah i i've noticed so, that your your writing style has changed ever so slightly <laughs> yeah and uh and that's where that's that's where that's coming from so it's a, it's a situation where I'm starting to sound like our artist at Wizards of the Coast. Well, I did it originally, and then AI changed it. But actually, you know, that, that's what you're dealing with. But there's a lot of outlets that are out there that really just, they'll have a headline. And then when you view the story, the AI sends you the article. Yeah. And, oh, um, that's weird. you know, so there's no writer involved at all or minimally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so from that direction, too. And I have seen a few things where you have some strange stuff. Um, AccuWeather is one of them. That uses some stuff like that and they have ads and the ads when they're generated i've seen like the nissan the car company it spells it n-i-s-i-n which is like this blatant obvious thing to me uh, you know that's not how you <laughs> yeah. spell nissan right so no so there are problems with it but yeah it's already something you're seeing out there and the other side of that too is in addition to why we had a writer strike and this being a big part of it is that you're not sure that the information is accurate and it's not being vetted anymore because it's just being generated. So you have a good potential of getting just completely erroneous information disseminated through mainstream news outlets that are using this without any kind of check on it. And that's not yeah. good. That's really not good. You know, I mean, I, I see AI having like very good places in things like, let's be honest, you know, government work where you're making forms, forms that are going to be more understandable easier to fill out, things like that, and still have, you know, the information you need to have. But I just, art is one of those ones I wish it would stay the heck out of. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, and, and you're not alone in feeling that way, as I say. It's uh, definitely, and it's, it's becoming an issue, and there isn't a, um, uh, a solution to this right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. All right. So we have another topic to discuss. Uh, It's Pirates of the Caribbean star Johnny Depp begins shooting next week or next film. Yeah. So there's a little, yeah, not next week, not next film. And we also aren't (laughs) sure if this is Pirates of the Caribbean. So this is something that's completely rumor. Yeah, Uh it's curious. And in fact, again, this is rumor. Please understand that. But from what we're seeing is that this would be Pirates of the Caribbean 6 is what this would come down to. And they're 
it's looking like they may have recast the role, you know, of Captain Sparrow. And that I, I could see that would be very difficult to do. And there's already uh, yes. people are going to boycott the movie if they did and all the rest of this. But I, I don't know how you would do that because you're changing what is a major, major part of a franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, on screen, he is the key person. I mean, yeah, he really made... I mean, he really invested in himself into becoming that character. And the character is so strange and unique. I mean, I've seen cosplayers do some really uh, good versions of him. But um, I I would think it would be really hard to replace. Johnny Depp, his entire career is poured into Jack Sparrow. If you go through his entire filmography back from the beginning, you know, you start to see, okay, he pulled this part, he pulled this part, he pulled this part. Like, I am a big fan of him in Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. And Hmm. that, to be able to pull off Hunter S. Thompson and then see Captain Jack Sparrow, you're like, okay, there was so much from that that he pulled, but let alone... You know, all of his other films, like Ninth Gate, even where he was playing a very serious role, there are just certain aspects of Sparrow that you see in that, you know? Yeah, I, no, I completely I'm, agree. I'm definitely a fan of his work as well. And, and yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, if a guy that I've seen, uh, my wife showed me a picture of him, was supposedly one that they were thinking about using to replace him. I don't know if it's true or not. Um, you know, he, he might be able to pull off the looks. Um, I, I think the way that we described him was if Tim Burton was designing uh, Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is an odd statement to make. But <laughs> That's I, no, I'm just trying to consume what you just said there a little bit. I just, yes. you know, I, I know when you have things like this, it can be very, very difficult. And, you know, they've handled it in different ways. Now, like when the Star Trek franchise rebooted, they were able to recast, I thought, in a very good way. I mean, the new uh, people that were playing the characters, they pulled it off. But the thing of it is, is they weren't trying to hide the fact they were doing that. It was no. known that this was a, a reboot and, and you know, it's new people and they did it well. Now, movies like Black Panther, they just when he died, they simply just didn't use the character anymore, which I think was very much what they needed to do and was appropriate. Yeah that kind of a situation. There's a rumor that the uh, TV series Lucifer is going to get a seventh season. And if that happens, they're going to be replacing some of the uh, actors in there as well. And if that happens, you know, again, how do, how do they handle it to make it uh, seem like that's the case? So this is an issue because people are people and not everybody's always available in the future for a variety of reasons. But exactly when it's your front person, so like, it'd be like if Lucifer changed Tom Ellis as Lucifer, you couldn't do that. But some of the background no. characters, maybe you can. But in the case of Jack Sparrow, you have the same type of thing with John, Johnny Depp. So, you, yeah. you know. It, those two characters are the glue. Yeah. Um, they, they just tie everything, hold everything together. And, and then it allows the other actors to do their parts. And if you don't have some of these certain characters played by these these actors, um. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the guy who um, replaced um, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca has done a nice job, but you can still tell it's not Peter. He doesn't yeah. walk you can like t- and, Peter, and it's interesting because that's a character like that's right. You know, and I started to say that's a character that's completely masked. You know, yeah. with, with the fur suit and the head and everything. 
Mm-hmm. But still, the the and, and he does a very good job. I, I agree with you yeah. on that, absolutely. But the movements are slightly different. Peter Mayhew had a way different. of doing it that is absent, you know, and it's yeah. it's not that's not a negative, but it is different. So yeah, there's anyway. just some of these people have put so much into these characters, uh, a lot of themselves, and then yeah. it's just hard to replace them. It's it's it becomes the character, you know. So. Anyway, all right, our Tech Wednesday this week, uh, we talked, we're, we're, our articles are back, The Writer Strikes Over, yay, number one on that. Yay. So uh, our first one for a while, and um, this week we went over the EMS. Now, last Wednesday, you probably received a test alert, uh, October 4th, they were going out to television, radio, phones, and to that type of a thing. And this week's Tech Wednesday, we dive into a little bit of the history of this. It goes back to the 1950s and has gone through a number of generations and has had some problems, but does seem to warrant you know what it does um there's been some er- erroneous warnings sent out over the years too <laughs> yeah. um the, the one we talked about in the article which is kind of the, one of the most egregious ones i'm aware of was last summer when we were told to evacuate the entire state of oregon due to a, a fire by climate falls so you know <laughs> so you don't want that going on but um but anyway so yeah test this week if you heard it that's what that was and if you'd like to know more about the system, check out our Tech Wednesday article at userfriendly.show. All right, so on television shows, uh, we've got a couple of conclusions coming out this week. Ahsoka concluded. We're going to talk about that later, just not to have a spoiler. The one thing that I will make a comment on that is originally Disney's media accounts referred to this last episode as the series finale. However, it's looking like that may be changing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they get a season two or not out there right now. We don't know. Originally it was that there was, and then there wasn't. And now, right now the whole thing's up for debate. So the other one, Gretchen, I know that you've been watching as well as murders in the building had its conclusion. Why don't you yeah. tell us a little about yeah, only that? Only murders in the building. Yeah. Um, uh, once again, they've done a really beautiful job of with all the characters and weaving the story plot and keeping the humor. And so I think if, You've been one of these people who've noticed that TV lately has been kind of, eh. you know, there's not a whole lot of new fresh choices. <laughs> I would suggest watching um, the third season of Only Murders in the Building, because obviously they got it done before the actors strike and the SAG right. stuff. So, um, yeah, I would I would check that what out. What service? Do you know what service that's on off the top of your head? I believe it's on Hulu. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes they, um, I saw something about, you know, as I watched the end of the episode, there was a moment that it flashed something with YouTube. So I don't know okay. if it's on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, check it out and yeah. let us know, you know, because. Now there's, there's also something else that I wanted to talk about uh, was um, some of the action figures for Star Wars, the the Black Series. I just uh, did I tell talk to you about um, the Mon Mothma character? I believe not on the air. Him. You and I talked about it, but yeah. Um, well, she's she came in a box that doesn't have any plastic in it. That's interesting. Really, yeah, it's really strange. Now the, I'm talking the th- uh, the six inch characters, the ones that have more detail, more mobility, and usually they come with stuff sometimes. You know, like if you have a, um, a Mandalorian, you usually get like a helmet and weapons and things. And she didn't really, she didn't come with any stuff. But, and one of the things is, is usually when you buy an action figure, you look in the box 
and you want to check out the face, make sure that you get a, a um, one that has a nice face painting. You know, right. sometimes there's been things in the past where you'll get a doll and the face isn't painted right. And you know, so you want to, you know, always wanted to check. Well, in this case, you don't get to look at what's inside. And I think the box is different because they're trying to cut down on the amount of plastic because plastic is hard to recycle while the paper, you know, you can make more paper with it if you recycle it. So I, I, I'm curious to see if anybody else, what their thoughts are on these action figures. And her figure is really nice. Um, she isn't able to sit down though. Um, the way she, the clothing is so stiff and you can't bend her knees or anything. She's really hard to stand on her own. So I'll probably have to buy some kind of um, plastic stand for her. But I, I just thought the packaging was very unique and something that I would think collectors might find to be positive and negative on two different sides, less right. trash. Um, but then again, you don't get to inspect the figure by looking through the plastic. Right. So it's in a, it's kind of mysteriously in a box. Now that's interesting. And yeah. Can you put it back in the box? Oh yeah, I could put her back in there, but she'd be rattling around. <laughs> she was just the, kind the of... reason I asked that question is for a lot of collectors, you know, new in box is a big deal. And with the plastic mm -hmm. boxes, you have to tear them apart to get in. So this was a type of packaging where you could take it out and then put it back. That'd be interesting oh, too. Oh, well, the other ones you can put them back in. Um, you can stuff them back into the the formed plastic. But on this one, there's no formed plastic, and she was just wrapped up in paper. Oh. So <laughs> I just well, thought that was yeah. <laughs> All righty. Now let us know what you think about that and anything else. User friendly dot show, and I think that's it for this week. Unless we have anything else, and it doesn't look like we do. So until next week, this is user friendly two point keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by wearetechnology.com. Listen at theanswerportland.com, userfriendlyshow.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts.